Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, we speak with Bill's Wire managing editor Nick Walton as he gives us Buffalo's game plan heading into Sunday night's big game. Also, we check in with Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes during his weekly press conference as he shares his thoughts on Josh Gordon being activated this Sunday. But first, as always, we start off with Chiefs Wire managing editor Charles Goldman. Okay, Charles, anything that stood out to you from the Chiefs' victory over the Eagles? Yeah, the Eagles didn't really follow the strategy that's helped teams frustrate the Chiefs defensively in recent weeks, which I mean, essentially it was just to bracket Tyree Kill or you know, shade some safety help over the top and have that safety essentially act as a spy against Tyree Kill. And, uh, if it looked like he was going to beat that one-on-one coverage, that safety would get in there and, and cause some problems. But uh, they really left him in one-on-one coverage all day long. And, I mean, he ate it up, obviously, at a huge game, 183 yards, three touchdowns. Um, but, the you know, the Chiefs, they made the Eagles pay also for staying in their base defense a few times. There was a, a red zone snap where uh, Tyreek Hill had a touchdown because he was matched up about, against a linebacker, and the guy didn't stand a chance. So, I mean, really – I mean, when you play like that and uh, and whatnot, you're you're gonna have a bad time against the Chiefs, right? And their defensive coordinator, he even came out. He had some snarky comments after the game. He was like, "We don't play dime defense." Um, but I, I would say this week for opponents, this was a teach tape for them on, on how not to defend Kansas City. Though, I mean, that quote unquote blueprint that has frustrated the Chiefs kind of in in those two losses. It might be different now, right? Because you got Josh Gordon added to the 53-man roster. So, you know, now doubling Hill isn't just, you know, allowing Travis Kelsey free, but you're also allowing Josh Gordon to have that one-on-one matchup as well. So uh, it, it's uh, it's it's interesting. It's tough. I, I think that, you know, uh, teams are going to look at this game that the Eagles played and say, okay, we, we got to not do this. We got to look at the tape, you know, from those two losses and see if we can emulate that. So uh, I think, you know, the Chiefs got to figure out ways to get more teams to play them the way the Eagles did. Are you concerned by the continued struggles of the Chiefs defense this season? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to, like, not be concerned uh, when a unit's underperforming compared to expectations, but... I also think you look at the early schedule for the Chiefs, and you have to consider they've been playing some really freaking good offenses. The Browns, the Ravens, the Chargers, and the Eagles are all within the top 12 in total offense after four weeks. So when you consider that, I think it gives you some optimism that as the season progresses, this unit's going to be a little bit closer to league average than they are to the bottom of the league where they are now. 
So I, I think some of the issues with the defense are a little bit overstated too. For uh, for instance, the the pass rush, right? Uh, everyone's like the Chiefs don't have any pass rush. They don't have any pass rush. And I, I guess in some cases you're right. The, the pass rush for Kansas City, they're tied for the third fewest in sacks. They have seven sacks through four games. That's that's a tie for you know third fewest in the NFL. But they're also tied for the tenth most pressures. So they're top ten in pressures and they're bottom in the NFL in sacks. So they're putting pressure on the quarterback, but they aren't quite getting home. I, that's got to change eventually, right? That can't like it, that. That's not going to persist. There's going to be some games here shortly where you know the sacks are coming. So, uh, and then you know the run defense. It, it looked awful first couple weeks, but it's improved uh, drastically over the past two weeks. At least I feel it has. Uh, they've held teams a little bit uh, under their expected totals uh, for rushing yards. They're they're struggling uh, to contain, you know, rushers in the end zone. They've they've given up a rushing touchdown to every running back they've faced so far. So they they need to to kind of work on that. Still, that's an area. Obviously, red zone defense. That's an area that they can still improve. But hey, they got three stops, albeit you know penalty induced stops against the Eagles. But you know, sometimes those penalties, you you know, if you're playing well, you're going to force teams into mistakes. So I, you can't you can't say necessarily that that all those penalties were were you know solely the the fault of the Eagles. But uh, and, and then I think one thing that's obvious that lack of athleticism at the linebacker position. But you got Willie Gay designated to return. He should be back if not this week. He'll be back in action next week, I believe. Um, and, you know, this last game, the Chiefs, towards the end of the game, they found a way to use Dorian O'Daniel, which, I mean, he hasn't played a lot of defensive snaps in the last couple of years, but he played two snaps, only two snaps, all right? But he was impressive in those two snaps. Uh, one of them was a sack. Uh, he, he assisted with a sack. Uh, he was playing sp- uh, quarterback spy against Jalen Hurts. He was kind of mirroring his, his movements and got in there and, and helped with the sack. And then uh, the other was a, a fourth, the fourth and 11 throwaway there at the kind of the end of the game. Well, it was four minutes left in the game, I believe. And I uh, feel like if you can get DOD some more opportunities on defense and then get Willie Gay back in the mix, you solve those athleticism problems, right? You got guys who can, who can move out there, who can run, who can match up in coverage. Um, so I think that's, probably the solution there going forward and so yeah i am i'm concerned it's hard not to be concerned like i said uh, i do think they should explore outside options if they can if, if those options make the team better i think that the group they have now has been performing better as of late and they're capable of elevating their game as the, the season moves on do you believe the signing of josh gordon has anything to do with mccall hardman's lack of consistency yeah, I don't think you can really single out Hardman. Um, I mean, after the failure during the offseason uh, free agency period to sign you know, free agent wide receiver, remember they had an interest in Juju Smith-Schuster and some of the other guys that were out there and available. Um, I, I do think that they wanted to give their guys a shot before making any sort of a move after they didn't land Juju or any of those other guys. 
So, but but the need that was very clearly there, regardless of what happened with you know Mikol or Pringle or Robinson. And uh, my understanding is that you know the Josh Gordon deal had been something in the works for some time before he was even cleared by the league. You know, they'd kept tabs on him heading into the season and so on and so forth. So when no one really emerged as a consistent threat opposite Tyreek Hill and and Travis Kelsey, um, Gordon Gordon was cleared. I mean, it just made sense, right? Uh, So Gordon's a guy who can get open consistently, beat that one-on-one man coverage. And he's going to make teams just think twice about bracketing guys like Kelsey and Hill. You know, it's not to say that Hardman and Robinson and Pringle are, are bad, um, but they're they're better. They're, they've proven that they're better playing their roles, which they weren't doing when they were trying to be this, you know, number two guy opposite, you know, Hill and Kelsey. So, you know, Hardman, he's proven to be an electric return man and gadget player in the Chiefs offense. And I don't say gadget player in a bad way. Like, he's a guy that you are going to scheme plays for because that's when he's at his best. And Robinson and Pringle, they can contribute in spurts, but if they're matched up against anyone short of a team's third or fourth best guy, they're going to struggle. So, yeah, the Gordon signing was about the performance of other wideouts, but I don't think it's what necessarily what you were maybe implying when you asked that question. Um, but I, I mean, this gets everyone, I think in the position for success moving forward. And I think that's, that's crucial. It's pivotal. And, and I think it can help turn this season around in a big way for Kansas city. Should the chiefs begin thinking about life without Frank Clark moving forward? I think the Chiefs have been thinking about life without Frank Clark since last season. I mean, he was underperforming before his hamstring injuries and offseason arrests and all of that. I mean, they drafted a defensive end in the fourth round knowing they needed some help in the edge rush department. The thing about Clark that Chiefs fans just need to understand is that no one's trading for him. And you can't cut him until next season because his contract is far too prohibitive. And you cut him, and you're looking at twenty million down the drain, and you only save five. It's not, it's not worth it to cut him right now. So whatever production you're getting out of him right now is better than anything else you can possibly do. So you're stuck with him this year. Get used to it for better or worse. I mean, thankfully, this upcoming draft has plenty of good edge talent. There's some free agents out there that, that the Chiefs could look at in the off season. And if they continue to have injuries up there, you know, if Chris Jones is not practicing here on Wednesday, um, they might even explore a, a free agent signing or a trade ahead of the November 2nd deadline. So the Chiefs have options to improve their edge rush there, and I think they'll explore them. <clears throat> I do think that they're anticipating uh, Frank Clark to return this week, and I, I think they're hopeful that, that he's going to help them. And I think, you know, there's some proof from that week two game that he will help them. Who do you believe is the X factor heading into week five versus Buffalo? I want to say Gordon, but uh, really it's tough to expect him to have a huge showing in his first week with the team. He's probably going to get a package of plays installed specifically for him this week. But I'd be shocked if he played more than than 50% of the offensive snaps uh, here in week five. 
I think he's looking more at like the 35%, 45% range at best. And um, look, the Bills, they've allowed the fewest total yards in the NFL through four weeks of play. They haven't even allowed 1,000 total yards yet. So both the ground game and the passing game for Kansas City, they're going to have a hard time. And I think it's going to be like it has in games past against Buffalo. Uh, Travis Kelsey is going to have to be the big X factor in this game. If you look back in his two games against the Bills in 2020, um, Kelsey had 18 receptions for 183 yards and two, uh, four touchdowns, excuse me, four total touchdowns. So if they try and take Kelsey away, I think the Chiefs need to run 12 personnel and get Jody Fordson involved. It, defending the tight end spot has been their struggle over the years. And I think it remains a big weakness in Buffalo, even with that defense playing as well as it has been. So, uh, I mean, I think they're going to provide a big challenge, but I think they're going to be looking for for Kelsey to step up and have a big one this week. And lastly, are there any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you'd like to highlight from the past week? Yeah, we've got plenty on Chiefs Wire for you this week. Uh, Typically, I don't like covering the what-ifs on players who've been cut or who are on the trade block unless we have some solid, solid info uh, that the Chiefs are interested. Kind of broke that, that rule uh, this week. We wrote up stories on Patriots cornerback Stephon Gilmore, who has since been traded to the Panthers. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to read that one, go for it. <laughs> but uh, also uh, Cowboys linebacker Jalen Smith, who's slated to be released. We, we wrote a story up on him too. I, I don't think the Chiefs are going to be interested in Smith just due to those past medicals, but... John Dillon wrote up a good story. He, he kind of weighed the pros and the cons, so to speak. And, you know, we've got a bunch uh, recapping a week four game in Philly and just also a ton of preview content on the way ahead of the upcoming game. Sunday night football against the Buffalo Bills. going to be an exciting one. And uh, as always, we appreciate you guys tuning into the show and reading the website. We couldn't be able to do it without you very uh, literally. So thank you for your support. And uh, you know what we say at this time of the show, go Chiefs! Now for a little while, what are your thoughts about him as a guy and then what, what he can do for your offense? Yeah, he's a tremendous guy. I mean, you can tell he he loves uh, playing football. He loves being here, loves being a part of this locker room. Um, and, I mean, the, the talent you can just see. I mean, the, how fast he is, how big he is, the way he's able to get in and out of cuts. Um, I've been able to throw to him a little bit here now, kind of off to the side a little bit. And I think uh, we'll try to do whatever we can to kind of bring him up to speed as quickly as possible and try to utilize his skill set. One thing that you uh, tend to do is try to get guys involved off the field, become friends with them, your relationship with Travis. Cause what have you learned about Josh since you've had a relationship with him maybe off the field that you didn't know before? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think uh, I, he has those Texas ties. So, I mean, we've talked about, uh, no offense to Dieter, because he's a Yankees fan, but the Astros, uh, we talked about kind of stuff like that, him going to Baylor and, and things like that. Um, and just seeing how humble of a guy he is. I mean, he, tr- he truly uh, is someone that, that wants to be here, wants to be a part of this locker room, and I'm sure he'll keep building that relationship as the season goes on. Patrick, three of your four interceptions have kind of come under pretty similar circumstances. Third down, about to get sacked. How does the calculus of those types of situations affect how big we're risking to take the play? 
Yeah, it's something that I definitely have to cut down on, um, especially kind of those interceptions that are around the middle of the field. Um, I've, I've, I've been have taken chances of throwing it deep sometimes and kind of getting those interceptions on third and long and stuff like that, and that kind of in turn kind of is a punt. Um, but whenever you're throwing interceptions around the middle of the field, uh, that usually puts the defense in bad situations, so that's something I definitely need to, to work on as the season goes on. I know those are three examples, but otherwise, do you feel like over the, the years you've learned to be maybe more, more careful, for lack of a better word? Yeah, for sure. And, uh, I mean, it's something that I have to continue to work on as my career goes on. I have that aggressive nature. I want to try to make everything happen, make a get a first down every single time. Um, but at the end of the day, sometimes you have to punt, and I think uh, that's something that I'll continue to work on. Uh, we'll have to play the field position battle sometimes and uh, let the defense get some stops, and then we'll be able to score the next drive. Talk about the uh, production you're getting from Jody Forson. He went from you know making the team this year to, to now giving you some quality snaps. What do you think from him? Yeah, I mean, well, we saw it uh, the last few years, uh, kind of when he was on the on the practice squad and he was going against our defense. He was able to make those tough contested catches um, and, and get vertical and play hard. Um, and so as we kind of got him into the right role in this offense, I think you're seeing that. I mean, the one that I, that I kind of underhand shoveled to him, uh, it was it was way out in front of him. He was able to catch it, secure it, use his body, and get in the end zone. And so as, as kind of everybody on this team, we're going to find the best place to put you in our offense and try to utilize your skill set to be the best you can be for the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick, what do you think? It is about him that he's a, maybe more valuable as a tight end than, than as a wideout. Yeah, I mean he's he's really big. <laughs> so I mean uh, he's uh, obviously super athletic. Uh, he's big. He's fast. And I think as these years have kind of gone on and he's been on the practice squad, he's learned how to really block. And I think that was something that that is, that is huge when you play a tight end position. Is uh, obviously you can you can be the mismatch in the, the passing game, but being able to come in and block and do those different type of things as well makes it a mismatch uh, altogether as a person on offense. Hello, Nick. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Do you think the Bills believe that they let last year's AFC Championship game get away? I wouldn't per se say that last year's AFC Championship game was a game that the Bills let get away. I think simply in 2020, the Chiefs were the better team, and we saw it twice. We saw it twice out there, and the Bills did take away anything they could and everything they could from those losses last year to the Chiefs, though. Really, they tailored a lot of their offseason around improving in the aspects that they lacked behind when facing the Chiefs. Um, Patrick Mahomes, he had a lot, lot of room to work. The Bills' pass rush just simply could not get there. The Bills invested a first-round pick in, in Greg Rousseau. He's was called a project piece at first, but he's looked a lot better than that so far. And then uh, the other key, I guess, quote-unquote addition would be Starla Tulier. He was on the Bills for the last couple seasons, but he was their lone player returning from opting out due to COVID. And he does have a couple sacks this year, but he's still not really known as a guy that gets to the quarterback. But he is known as a guy that takes up space and allows others to perform better. And really, the whole front seven has performed a lot better, uh, even linebackers Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano. And um, yeah, yeah, the Bills really, uh, they took what they could from the Chiefs' loss last year. But I wouldn't per se, I wouldn't use the word getaway. I'd just call it what it is. The Chiefs were better last year. Who are the key players on defense? In terms of key players on defense, the Bills look at that injury report all week. Um, the the Buffalo head, head coach Sean McDermott, he's he's take everything he says with a grain of salt, guys, because with, with injuries, he's uh, he never shoots his scrape. The Bills have three key injuries going into this game. They play a nickel based defense every single snap. They pretty much play with a slot cornerback out there. 
That guy was Taron Johnson. He suffered a groin injury probably in practice prior to last week's game. He didn't play against the Texans, but obviously you saw the scoreline. The, the, the Bills didn't really struggle too much with the Texans. Uh, but Taron Johnson, he's a starter out there. I know you guys got Tyreek Hill. He moves all around uh, that offense. If the Bills don't have Taron Johnson, they might be in trouble. Uh, in addition, second injury, uh, Jordan Poyer, starting safety. He's probably going to play, though. Two weeks ago, he was injured against Washington late. But at the end of the game, he was... He was legitimately put on camera where he was jumping up and down, pumping up the crowd, being excited that the, the Bills won. I think last week was kind of was kind of precautionary they didn't play, so I would expect Jordan Poor to be out there, the starting safety, along with Micah Hyde. Um, and then we have linebacker Matt Milano. He's been, I think, uh, trying to be unbiased. I think he's been one of the most overlooked players in the entire NFL. If he can't play, uh, that's great news for Travis Kelsey. Um, even when we did see him play last year, Travis Kelsey still played very well against the Bills. But uh, if the Bills don't have Matt Milano to, to help out there, that's going to be tough. In terms of someone who's not injured, uh, I mean, you got Tredavious White, too. I mentioned Taron Johnson maybe covering that slot area, especially even if a guy like Josh Gordon plays. I mean, you're going to need your full caliber of defensive backs for the Bills. And uh, Tredavious White's uh, easily one of the best cornerbacks in the league. So if you don't have that guy, you're obviously going to be behind the eight ball. So um, he's going to be out there. He's going to be playing. He's not hurt or anything. But uh, in terms of your question, key players, uh, Tredavious White, he's he's a shutdown corner, and the Bills will need him at his best against one of the best teams in, in the NFL and the uh, Chiefs. And how about the key players on offense? In terms of key players on offense, let's start right at the top. Josh Allen, what else do I have to say, really? Uh, second place MVP vote getter last year. Of course, that was, I think, four votes to Aaron Rodgers, 44. <laughs> it was something something like that, not very close. But he technically was second in voting for MVP last year, Josh Allen. Uh, struggled out of the gate early this year, but the Steelers have an elite pass rush. And the Bills did beat the Steelers the last couple years when they faced each other. But it was never a clear-cut victory. It was not 40 to nothing, we'll say, like it was last week against the Texans. They're always very close games, and the Steelers just got, got the better of them. Um uh, Continuing in key players, of course, uh, you have Stefan Diggs, one of the league's best leading wide receiver last year. Finally heated up last week. It's kind of funny. He, he had three straight games between like 60 and 70 yards, which is which is solid. But after a, a massive first season in Buffalo that almost felt like he was underwhelming the first few few weeks of the year uh, in 2021. But uh, this year, he, he excuse me, last week, he was certainly uh, well above that and, and was was a huge thorn in the side of the Texans, and the Bills are going to want to feed him again, as they did a lot against the Chiefs last year. And then uh, finally, I'll, I'll, I'll give the nitty-gritty football uh, folks a guy to uh, key in on for the Bills' offense. Right tackle Spencer Brown, rookie third-round pick, made his first start last, last week against the Texans. But again, it was the Texans, and it was his first start. And the Bills got to give Josh Allen time to work. Deion Dawkins on the left side. He's a solid left tackle, but the Bills have had some struggles on the right side of their offensive line. Cody Ford, he's a former second-round pick. He got sent to the bench last week. Third-round rookie Spencer Brown's in. Now, okay, gets his feet wet against the Texans, but now we we all know the headlines around this game. These are the probably the two best teams in the AFC, and this is his second career start in a massive game on Sunday Night Football. And uh, Good reviews last week from Spencer Brown, but uh, yeah, he's going to be a key guy. He's got to perform well in this game in his second start. And lastly, what is your prediction for the game? In terms of my prediction, okay, I promise you this isn't anything to do with recent form. I get that the Chiefs are 2-2, two and two, the Bills are 3-1. and one. Um, I actually, from even this offseason going through the Bills schedule, I picked the Bills to win this game because it kind of just feels like it's about time that the Bills top the Chiefs. Of course, this early season form up and down the Chiefs defense hasn't been, I don't know, up to, up to spat. Not that it wasn't ever the offense not leading the way, but that 
combined with the Bills offense starting to come into form. Again, they haven't faced the best teams. Again, the Bills defense hasn't faced the best quarterbacks, but they're playing with a lot more confidence. The Bills just seem like a lot more confident team going to this one. And I just think it's 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 Buffalo's time to to take this. I, I know it's not the most analytical approach, but uh, sometimes in in football, I guess I guess feel like uh, folks kind of underestimate the fact of how difficult it is to beat a team so many times in a row. I mentioned the Steelers. The Bills they beat them a couple times in a row, but it, it was the Steelers. I wasn't shocked that the Bills lost that game. I think the Bills got this one. I'll go with like a 34-31 close game, though, of course. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is going to get his, and, and I don't think anything different. But in this same sense, I, I did also, prior to the season, pick the Bills losing to the Patriots in the AFC East. The Bills went 6-0 and last year in the division. I just think people underestimate how hard it is sometimes to win in the NFL against certain teams and certain scenarios. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the, the Bills. Um, like I said, 34-31, high-scoring game. Uh, it's it, it should be a fun one regardless. I could be wrong, could be my words. I would not be surprised at that either. But um, I, I'll throw another prediction out there for you. This will not be the only time these two teams will meet. Uh, not that this is the boldest of predictions either. Not the only time that these two uh, teams are going to meet in 2021. I think we're going to see another AFC uh, playoff picture uh, with these two guys facing off and. Uh, both both of them should be fun. I hope you guys uh, hope you guys all enjoy the game out there in Kansas City for sure, as I know they will in Buffalo. I want to take a moment to thank my guest Nick Walton from the Bills Wire, letting us know everything about Buffalo heading into this Sunday's matchup. And as always, make sure to hit us up on our Twitter at the Chiefs Wire if you have any thoughts, concerns, or even opinions about this week's show. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next week.